You are listening to the Dark Corner Podcast with DJ Evil Dave and Dr. Brandy Sexyboys. again after our brief little hiatus there yes i wouldn't even call it a hiatus no it's just a week off that we normally would do yeah so it's not a hiatus yeah because we already had a bonus episode for this month and we already had a standard episode so this would be the third episode of the month which is kind of what i'm going for right except for in october where we'll have four episodes spooktober yeah we'll have to determine what we want i think i want to return to the tarot Mm-hmm. So we can talk about the priestess. Mm-hmm. I could do a music special bonus episode. Mm-hmm. I'll have a Halloween music episode that of I course. can do. And then we'll have one other thing to discuss that we haven't really locked down yet. And why does it seem like I'm really, really quiet? I don't know. Why does it seem like that? Oh, uh, Maybe because I turned away? down the volume level thing it and never be. turned it back up again. Possibly. I turned it up. I don't know that it's a bad thing. Okay, I just don't want to be clipped off or sound too quiet. Well, do what you feel is best, darling. Uh, maybe I'm fine. It just looks like I'm speaking very, very softly on the waveform. Mm-hmm. Probably because I'm not feeling well. Neither am I. No. This is my third show today. It sucks. <laughs> yes, this is your third podcast of the day. Yeah, it's I, I brought this on myself, yeah. and so I really am not going to complain. And it's going to be unusual that we have multiple shows per Saturday, isn't it? Or we'll at least have two shows. Yeah, it's going to be tricky when Discovery Season 3 drops, because yeah. we'll be recording that every week. And yeah. it's going to be um, interesting. It's going to be difficult, least. yes. Yes, indeed. There's going to be a lot of editing. <laughs> yep. Particularly... For me, for some of these shows, so yeah. Because you recorded Infinite Trek in the morning, the live show. Yep. We recorded episode four for What the Future Holds Today. Yep, which ended up being like two hours long and you're really going to have to hatch it some stuff. Oh yeah, and that's always tricky, deciding what goes and what stays. Uh, Most of what I said can go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's little introductory things like, and so, that I can drop, but those are only seconds long. Yeah. No, seriously, it's okay to, for, to just cut swaths through my yeah. incessant rambling. Yeah, you're pretty much on point, so yeah, it'll be tricky to get it down to anything under 100 minutes. And even that's pushing it. Well, we'll see yeah. what happens. And then we're recording this now. Now. Right now. Right now, this At very, this very second. Now. now. So before we get into it, I'd like to say that our topic for this episode is Season 2 of The Umbrella Academy. We had a whole lot of downloads for season one, mm. and we actually had a review saying that we should have gotten to the topic a little quicker. We don't do that. 
There's a lot of podcasts that have a lot of banter and other housekeeping to take care of before they get to the main topic of the show. Mm-hmm. Black Dog does that. Mm-hmm. They have a little how's your week until they get into the movie review. That can actually be the largest portion of the podcast often. I know with the Feminine Critique, when they do their standard movie review shows, that they'll talk about what they watched for that week before they get into the main topic. Now, Living Podcast does the same thing. They banter. They do a straight-to-video Russian roulette kind of thing where Mm -hmm. one of them reviews a random film that they were given and before they get into the main topic. So it's a standard thing for a lot of shows that they don't get to the main topic till late. So if that's an issue with you, you can skip ahead. It'll probably be at around the 30-minute mark or so. Yes, well, here's the thing. (laughs) Here she goes. Mm -hmm. We do this podcast for the love of doing it. We pick the topics. We do all of the production. We post it. All of that. We, it's our podcast. And we will do it however the fuck we like. Yeah, it's our format. It's something we've come accustomed to. And it's something that's not uncommon in movie review podcasts. And we're not even a movie review podcast. We're a general interest podcast, really. Yeah. So, you know, I'm sorry that you don't like that part of our podcast, but I'm also sorry we're not going to change it for you. (laughs) So, deal. Yeah. So, if you hate the extra material, skip ahead. If not, listen to us talk about video games and shit. Yeah. We're going to talk about what we want because it's our show. Indeed. So, let's get at it. Yep. Oh, what do you think? News and reviews? Let's do it. Uh, it might also be sounding weird to myself because my ears are a little plugged. Mm, yep, could be that. Yeah, so maybe I'm not sounding as weird and nasally and distant as it is in my head. Probably. Yeah. So if I don't sound weird to you and I sound weird to me, that's probably just the way it goes. Mm-hmm. So feels a little bit like I was breathing in smoke or something. I'm mm-hmm. <laughs> speaking with a weird, smoky, raspy voice. He's got sexy voice. Yep. Oh, maybe I will turn this up. Or should I? Because that would mess with the sound levels. I don't know what to do. I can't make decisions these days. Just let it be. Let it be. You can always just... amplify. Yeah, yeah. I'm just worried about things clipping and getting lost in the mix. So light Asylum. Light Asylum. I was getting to it, news and reviews, because we don't really have any news other than depressing stuff. And and you already know the depressing stuff, and yeah, we don't need to rehash you it. You guys already know it. If you listen to us, you're probably in the same kind of political mindset as us, and mm-hmm. be just as upset and worried and sad as us. So yep. We'll get into reviews. And I've been in support of Black Lives Matter and Elevating Black Voices. I've been buying albums with at least one black artist in the band. And this time, you know, the ones in the dark alternative scene that's, you know, already underrepresented, you know, people of color. Mm -hmm. Was it BIPOC? Uh, Trying to remember what that means altogether. Black indigenous people Black, is it black is for black indigenous people of color okay because i know you was this racist was talking about that and how they didn't like their phrase because it's kind of a weird word Mm -hmm. and how do you exactly say it do you say the whole acronym or do you say bipoc and that just sounds weird 
even looks weird. Uh, yeah. And yeah. The, the thing is, is that it's different for each person. I mean, some people don't mind being called a person of color and some people do. Yeah. And some, it's just so, black. Yeah. That's, that's the preferred term as far as I know it. But even some people might be upset at that phrase. Yeah. Well, I know just using that on its own, instead of just saying black man or black woman, they just say black, that that can be offensive. Mm. And you can hear certain people like, like with demographics, it's like, how do you do with the blacks? It's like, ugh, mm. it's just something ugly about that. <laughs> yeah. That's like saying, how are you doing with black people? That makes yes. sense. How black are you, is descriptive. How are you dealing you are. with the Jews? That's what it sounds like. We could go into the comedian that talked about that, but he's been canceled. So, yeah, but I'm just saying that. Yeah. Just the, it dehumanizes. Yeah. Well. Yeah, if there's a tone to it, especially, I can't speak. Oh, but yes, I've been purchasing an album a month in support of black artists in the dark alternative scene. This time it's Light Asylum, who are Brooklyn-based, and I brought up their wiki page on my phone to get the names of the, the two-piece that they are. I can remember how you use my phone. So, the duo consists of Shannon Funches a black lady, and Bruno Caviello. And I bought their self-titled album, and uh, pretty interesting stuff. Very classic 80s, like analog synth kind of sound. Mm. Really stripped down, often quite repetitive. They're considered post-punk or dark wave, you know, electronic. Uh, Reminds me a bit of the band Suicide that also was a two-piece that basically was a synthesizer and a vocalist. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much all they had. Hey, hey, Americans. Keep your fears alive. But they really kind of revolutionized electronic music, especially, you know, minimal electronic music. I think Rick Ocasek of the Cars produced them. Mm. Yeah, a very interesting band. And they have songs that kind of are in that vein. And then other ones where they really crank it up and they sound a little bit like Dope Stars Incorporated, which is one of the dark tracks of the week we've played. Clean, well-produced sharp sound and they vary between those so yeah a little synth poppy at times but with a bit of an edge so yeah i i would recommend now there are some people out there that don't care for them but i think it might be the 80s-ness of it well nobody is gonna like every single band no that's very true so who cares who doesn't like them because yeah they definitely do have this kind of analog sound to them which i really dug so if you like the old 80s synth pop and like soft cell kind of stuff, then yeah, I think this would appeal to you. Video games. Yep. I finished Death Stranding, so I needed another game to play and I wanted something kind of zen-like so you had no man's sky so i borrowed that off you yeah i uh, recommended it in fact 
Yeah, it's very pretty. Amazing colors and getting to go from planet to planet. It's like space Minecraft. <laughs> now you have to mine materials or harvest it from trees or whatever to build whatever you need. Like find fuel for your ship so you can take off or build a computer so you can research other building items so you can start making bases everywhere that I've been naming after songs. <laughs> I think my latest one is called the Dunkelheit Station because mm. the planet gets really dark soon and like has long nights and even during the day it seems kind of like sunset. I think it's just the angle I am from the sun. Yeah, back mm. in the early days there was no shelter building. There was no base building. There yeah. was no building. No, and then I think it was very primitive. You could build basically cubes that would interconnect. Yep. And now you can... You can build, build like in Fallout 4. Yeah, walls and stairs, and they clip together really well. I think even better than they did for Fallout for me anyway. You seem to be able to connect things in a nice, clean manner. Mm-hmm. And I've been enjoying that, but the whole Star Trek thing of, you know infinite diversity and infinite combinations doesn't quite work because <laughs> a lot of the planets are very similar but i can see how they'd be struggling against you know the memory of the game mm. of what they can actually present because you're like haven't i already seen that animal before haven't i already seen that plant before and how certain planets i'd arrive and then they'd have a freak firestorm and that kept happening it's like how many verdant planets have these rainstorms that are like 200 degrees fahrenheit <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah. There's no way to know what the diversity would be like because we'd never been out of our own solar system. Yeah, maybe. Well, even looking at looking at our own planet, the diversity between different species just here alone mm-hmm. is remarkable. And then to go into space and be in a completely different solar system or star system because Sol is the name of our sun and that's why it's the solar system yep the other star systems that you would encounter similar beings from another star system it's uh but then if you think of a kind of a space seed kind of thing that other travelers have brought things with them and exactly flourished on that planet including venus flytrap looking plants that will attack you if you get too close mm, those are fun yeah she said sarcastically mm-hmm. yeah I like a ringed planet. I've been lucky to settle a number of ringed planets. There's one particular planet where I think I was the moon around a ringed planet. And so you could see it from my porch. Mm -hmm. It was very cool. (laughs) Yeah. So and the ring was like perpendicular. So you could see it perfectly. Just this planet with these rings around it in the sky. And looking at the cat behind He's laying on everything again. Of course. That's what he does. Like we say, he's a dragon. He's on his hoard. Yep. Yeah, he set things next to me and then he goes and lays on them. Mm-hmm. Like my phone. He loves it. Yeah. The things that we find under the cat, you think, how could you lay on this and be comfortable? Why yeah. would you want that? Like my PlayStation controller, for one thing. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I've been enjoying that. It's nice kind of zen way of just relaxing it does get repetitive a lot of the missions are very similar a lot of scanning the same minerals over and over again i even kind of developed a habit of creating similar structures wherever i go mm. i mean i guess i could get creative and build like the simpsons house on a planet or something but i just 
didn't quite feel like it. Partly because I don't have a whole lot of furnishings yet, so yeah. it seems kind of pointless to build a particular structure if you can't furnish it. Then you just have walls, and who cares <laughs> about that, really? Right. But yeah, it's very sp space Minecrafty, learning languages by talking to people and finding their little posts or towers wherever that'll give you words. They're monoliths. Yeah. Like in the anomalies. Mm -hmm. Those are cool. They'll talk to you every once in a while. Yep. Very Lovecrafty and weird shapes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes an anomaly would have taken over some outpost somewhere. Yep. And corrupt their system and start talking to you about the edges of the universe. <laughs> it's pretty crazy stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, I enjoy it. Um, I could see how it could get repetitive, but maybe that's part of the relaxing part of it, too. Everywhere I go, there's asteroids, too. That's weird. That means a lot of planets have been destroyed. Uh, well, if you think of the asteroid belt between Mars and Jupiter, you know, it's just that one thing. I mean, yeah, there's other asteroids around, but not nearly as dense as that. But wherever I go in No Man's Sky, there seems to be asteroids. Mm. It's a nice resource because you can find gold and silver and other elements. Well, that's why there's so them. many of them then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you need gold to build certain things, like if you want to build... Uh, some solar panels to operate your battery which is what i've been doing mm -hmm. rather than doing biofuel or anything like that i've been doing green energy yay green energy yeah, so yeah just a solar panel and a battery and i hook that up to my safe that teleports objects from safe to safe which is pretty cool so no matter where i go if i build a safe it has all my stuff in it Anything I put in it stays in it, mm -hmm. no matter where I go. It's very, very nice. And I like my ship. I started with a decent ship. Yes, I so, love your ship. It's very cool. It's kind of like a blunt, chunky version of an X-Wing. It's like the Doc Martin version of an X-Wing. <laughs> yeah. It's very chunky. Very chunky. Yeah, chunky and red and white. It's groovy. I kind love of viperish a little bit. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I haven't traded it up for anything because I like it and it seems to... Do all right in a space combat, so... Well, that matters, so... Yeah, I only died once. Oh, good. Yeah, had to go back into an asteroid field to find my stuff. Damn it. Uh, another video game. You spotted that Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2, the uh, remastered, you know, updated version, was available on disc for, what, 40 bucks? Mm-hmm. Which wasn't too bad. For PlayStation 4. Yeah, you're technically getting two games for 20 bucks each. Yep. I remember playing the old Pro Skater, and I made a few changes. I wouldn't say that the graphic updates will knock your socks off. They're kind of muddy still and not too terribly impressive, but I think the gameplay's better. It's smoother. Yeah. The frame rate, of course, would be a bit better. and I do get a little uh, motion sick after a while from mm. playing it. But, uh, yeah, they did redesign some of the parks. I know the school one is a lot different. There's one move where you had to get up on top of the roof of a building and it was a little tricky but that building's gone <laughs> hmm. but similar um collectibles and that sort of thing like having to wall ride five bells and that sort of thing and there's some outdoor pools that you can do some aerial work in the mall is crazy because it's an abandoned mall and things have kind of grown over in places and there's some boarded up shops everywhere it's creepy. It's a creepy, it's dark in there too. And that that was a little tricky to, to find everything in that. Cause 
there's a point where you have to smash through five directories and there's one I just could not find. I think it ended up being this jump that I was too low level to get up, so I had to change my stats around. Mm. So I designed myself in the game. Nice. I'm wearing basically black and gray. Of course you are. Gray military cap and then I got this goatee. Nice. And it's just very nondescript looking generic white dude. <laughs> I wouldn't call you a generic white dude. Yeah. Got a face that kind of looks like mine. He's got the blue eyes, a goatee, mm-hmm. kind of salt and pepper hair. Yeah. Uh, I forgot about the two minute time limit for doing the game itself, which is stressful. I think you can do free play kind of thing where you just skate around the park doing whatever, kind of exploring. But I don't know if you can, I don't think you can get your um, achievements or whatever you want to call them, the Trophies. The trophies, the level goals, I think they're called. By doing that, I think you have to play within the two minutes and get the the goals within that ten minutes to unlock them. Right. Which is a little tricky when you're trying to collect, like, five toys in the mall in, in two minutes. Mm. That's why I have to keep going in, so you keep playing the same level over and over until you get it right. Instead of just open world, do it all at once, mm. which I would prefer, but mm-hmm. that's not the way the game's set up. Right. Because then scores wouldn't matter because you could just rank up your score. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you need 100,000 points. It's like, okay, I can do that all day long. It's like, you need 100,000 points in two minutes. Uh, That's a different story. Mm-hmm. I would recommend it at a, at a decent price. I wouldn't pay a whole lot for it because I don't think the updates are that groundbreaking. But it's it's fun. Yeah, well, you haven't tried the second one yet, have you? Uh, No, but I imagine it's similar. Because it, it wasn't that long after Pro Skater 1 was out that they released 2, was it? I don't remember. Yeah. That was like 20 years ago. I imagine the build the park thing is improved too. Because mm. they can do more with that. Probably build a larger park. Nice. But I haven't really messed with that at all. Uh, that's, I think, all I had in the news department. Or reviews department. I, well, we're watching a new television series. Yes, we are. Which is something that was recommended to me by more than one person and it's a netflix original animated series called the dragon prince yay dragon prince yes and i'm enjoying it same here it's fun i mean if you're familiar with fantasy you can kind of guess some of the stuff that's going to happen but that's part of the fun yeah but there are some things that i'm just like oh yeah okay (laughs) oh that was interesting i didn't expect that yeah so yeah, I'm enjoying it very much. And the first person who recommended it to me was Liam. So thank you, oh, Liam. Nice. I appreciate the recommendation. And I am pleased to tell you I'm finally watching it. Are you happy now? <laughs> he just kept pressuring you to do it? <laughs> no, not not even. I did like the reference to Game of Thrones in it. Well, winter <laughs> is coming. Eventually. Eventually. <laughs> that was nice. Oh. Kind of a nice little dig, too, because imagine this is written with an ending in sight. Yeah, they know what they're doing. Yeah, as opposed to Game of Thrones when they kind of ran out and they started to have to lay the rail out in front of them as the train was going. Mm-hmm. Didn't work so great. No, no. Very disappointing in yeah. so many ways. Mm. And rather misogynistic, if you think back to it. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, we're following her story of... Of kind of revenge and liberation, and then she loses her mind at the end and becomes super violent and stupid. Yeah. The people who argue with that are, you know, say that, oh no, you saw the signs of this 
all along, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, you know what? That's the thing about her is that she wasn't the sum of her parts. Mm -hmm. She had these problems in her family, but that doesn't mean that she necessarily had to turn out that way. She made a choice and she made the wrong choice and it was a terrible ending. Yep. I mean, wouldn't that be the whole point of her story is that she breaks that cycle? Yeah. Instead of just fall into the habitual repetition? Mm-hmm. I guess they figured because it was really a story about the Starks that it should end with the Starks on the throne. It's like, ugh. Well, then you should have figured that out long before yeah. season seven happened. Yeah. But, yeah. Anyway. Anyway, do you have anything you want to talk about? I have mentioned in previous episodes that I'm finally watching all of Star Trek Voyager because Garrett Wong and Robbie Duncan McNeil are doing the Delta Flyers podcast. And I actually caught up to them, I, or they caught up to me in my rewatch this week. And then I just kind of went on a binge fest because I was, <laughs> you know, I haven't been feeling good. I've been home yeah, and I haven't felt like doing anything. Right. And now I'm like two thirds of the way through season two. <laughs> but it's, uh, there are some episodes which I've really enjoyed and there are some episodes that I'm just like, oh my God. But uh, yeah. I got to see one of the most infamous that I do not recall ever having seen before. And that was Threshold lizard babies anyone who's seen voyager knows and sometimes even people who haven't seen voyager still know lizard babies lizard babies which is amusing because that happened uh, that particular episode came up in my rewatch one on thursday and the lower decks episode that came out on thursday had a lizard baby in it <laughs> Which made many Voyager fans laugh out loud. Yeah. I am certain. <laughs> Even in the Lower Decks, did he used to be a man? And they just kind of shrug. He's like, I like, think so. It's supposed to be an evolution of a human being that would normally have taken millions of years mm. to get to. Right. But it happened very, very rapidly because Tom Paris broke the Warp 10 barrier. Oh, that episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he was everywhere at once. Yeah. In all points in time. Right. And, yeah, that, that'll mess with your DNA, <laughs> apparently. Yeah, screw you up. That's for sure. Yep. And he did it not only once but twice because then he broke out of his confinement. He stole Janeway and he took her into, you know, transwarp, you know, past warp 10. Uh-huh. And so she started to evolve as well and then they went and found a planet and had babies sounds to me like somebody just finished watching the remake of the fly <laughs> and thought yeah let's do that but it's not that yeah but it's messing up your dna and wanting to it's not it's not messing up your dna okay it's triggering evolutionary processes that wouldn't normally have happened that quickly right. uh, or that soon in the timeline yeah. of human beings. But then wanting to start a family with that genetic material is odd. Well, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know as what drives the, the lizards. The lizard brain part of the lizard baby is what drives it. Yeah, it's. I think the, <laughs> I think the most amusing part of it was when uh, they finally catch up to them and beam them back up and revert them to their original forms. Uh, 
Tom is like super embarrassed that he and Janeway had sex. Right. You know, and but they don't really remember a lot of what happened when they were in that form. You know, so he's like apologizing. And she says, how do you know it wasn't me that started all of it? In a lot of uh, mammals, the female is the one to initiate mating and procreation. Oh, true. Yeah, she was enjoying torturing him. And yeah. I don't blame her. Weird. It's just weird. Why? It, it is weird, and it was gross. Yeah, it's the, just gross and weird, and why? Well, no, I mean, the, the actual evolution yeah. of Tom was gross. It was really disgusting. Like, he coughed out his own tongue. Ugh. And yeah, just... It still sounds like somebody just finished watching the remake of The Fly. All the body horror aspects of it. Yeah, there there was some body horror in there that I did not enjoy. Yeah. It's like, hey, there's this movie with Jeff Goldblum, and it just inspired me to write this Star Trek Voyager script. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. I just found that amusing that those things happened on the same day. Yeah, yeah it is fascinating. It's just the kismet of having those things overlap. Mm-hmm. It's unusual. So I made it I made it through Threshold, everyone. Congratulate me. Uh, I, yay? I will never revisit that episode again if I can help it. Right. Okay, shall we get into the Dark Track? Yeah. Okay, this Dark Track is an actual direct submission from one of the members of the band. And that would be Mock Fox, who is the vocalist, and he plays synth for Svara Machine, or Svara Machina. <laughs> Depends how German you want to make it. Mm-hmm. And the other members are D-Bot on bass guitar and vocals, and Dein Offizier on drums and percussion. And they're... Based in Minneapolis, Minnesota, a big-time music town mm. known for Prince, for one thing. A lot of uh, electro-punk bands in the area. Ooh, big explodey-type noises outside. Yes. They, as far as Machina, produce what they call minimal industrial body music. Mm. <laughs> so it's a blend of, you know, industrial rock, uh, minimal synth, and some EBM. You know, electronic body music all kind of rolled up in one. So kind of stripped down electronic sound and they kind of touch on some dark wave experimentalism too. Mm -hmm. So pretty cool stuff. And it seems like they're really uh, pushing forward that style of music while also paying homage to the 90s industrial scene, you know, second wave industrial scene. So yeah, I really dig them. And so this song is one of the tracks that was submitted. It is What We Are by Sarah Machina.
right, babies, what you're thinking. Well, it has a really long intro, according to you. <laughs> oh, yeah. You don't tend to do long intros, so I kind of cut it in half. It's got a minute intro, which I cut down to 30 seconds for your benefit. And I appreciate that. Yeah, because, yeah, you don't do long intros. Well, I'm used to, like, Frontline Assembly, which could have, like, a three-minute intro or something. Yeah, which I just, I don't have the patience for that. I'm like, you have written a song. Get to the song. Yeah, you want, like, if you can open with the vocals, that's fine. Yeah, I don't even care about opening with the vocals, but intros should be no longer than, like, eight bars. Mm. And then get to the song. Yeah, I'm used to a lot of songs that have long intros. I'm well, not see, fine with that. I, I look at a song like I look at a story. Uh-huh. Get in as late as possible and leave as early as possible yep. while telling your story. Right. Don't overstay your welcome and don't show up early. <laughs> Here I've been practicing bass guitar and there's some songs that it takes forever for even the bass to come in. Yeah. There'll be se- several bars, several measures before the bass kicks in. It's like Fleetwood Max a bit like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, what did you think of the actual like percolating synth rhythms and that sort of thing? I liked it very much. Yeah. Kind of aggressive vocals done in that industrial style. Very much so. Yeah, very kind of four on the floor, uh, really pushing the repetitive you know, dance beat for the EBM aspects of it. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's a wonderful blend of the different aspects of, of you know dark electronic music. Yes. Presented for a really cool track. Indeed. Yeah, I enjoy it. And I enjoy uh, Mock Fox's, like, other kind of more solo work as well. We've featured his music before as well. Mm-hmm. This show is brought to you by Sweet Media. Computer. List other available Sweet Media programs. Loading Sweet Preview Program for Open Channel, a Star Trek community podcast. Google Clippy Microsoft Word. It was a little paperclip like animated paperclip that would pop up when you were using microsoft word and it was like a little helper and there are going to be more comments on it in this episode too so we'll get to those right you kind of have to be older like us to get that (laughs) hey (laughs) (laughs) no you're right and nick goes on but before he does i want to just congratulate him on being a doctor now congratulations dr nick woohoo Loading Holosuite Preview Program for The Janeway, a Star Trek Voyager podcast. But then again, senior officer meeting, why is Harry Kim in there? He's an ensign. Because he is the senior ops bridge person, I don't know. But that's what doesn't make sense to me. If he's like the senior ops person, does that mean everyone below him is just a crewman? He's a crewman. (laughs) Because he can't boss even Lieutenant Junior grades around. Oh my gosh. So their ops department is just a mess because it's just crewmen. Oh, it's a mess also. That explains a lot. <laughs> Actually, it does, about doesn't Voyager. it? Loading Holosuite preview program for Starpod Trek, a podcast exploring Gene Roddenberry's vision of the future. And remember that Gene Roddenberry wrote the novel for the motion picture. Mm-hmm. I mean, about the search for God and everything, that part of and it. And there's a lot of details in that novel that didn't make it to the picture that actually opens up the scope of the Star Trek universe even more so. I mean, it's a great it, read. Yeah, he put he put other stuff in it. And, but, you know, but, I, but Scotty being a drunk, I don't know why. He, like, why wouldn't know, Scotty just yeah, continue yeah. to be an engineer and, you know, be a proud worker and Starfleet officer? Computer, deactivate Holosuite.
Shall we get into this topic? Let's do it. Okay, we're talking about Umbrella Academy Season 2. How do we want to go about this? Well, when we left Season 1, Vanya had destroyed the world. Right. They were trying to escape the actual destruction of the planet before it actually reached them. Yeah, the moon. That the, was the moon. Colliding into the earth. The moon. Oh, or a big chunk of it anyway. Yeah. Five had decided to take everybody out of time with him. Right. He's not done this a lot. And in fact, this is his first time trying to take a bunch of people with him. Mm-hmm. But he does manage to uh, to take them all. And that's pretty much where season one ends. Season one, uh, season two begins, rather, with uh, them landing. <laughs> yeah, all scattered throughout time, all in the same area. They're all in Texas. In Dallas, Dallas, Texas. Texas. Yes, in During the early the 1960s. the 1960s, so they're all around... The JFK assassination, they're all around the civil rights movement, right in smack dab in Dallas, Texas. Dallas-Fort yeah. Worth kind of area. They uh, Some of them land in 1961, some in 62, some in 63. None of them are together except for Klaus and Ben, because Ben, of course, goes everywhere that Klaus does, because he's right, dead. because he's connected to him through yes. the whole ghost thing thing seeing dead people thing we see that but then we don't see much else it like jumps to the future where there is uh, the future of in this particular decade where there's just russian tanks everywhere right and they're all fighting they're all together and they're fighting the russians Uh and trying to prevent the destruction of the planet yet again but no nukes uh nukes happen nukes happen yep and so they have failed again. Yeah. Then we go backwards again, back to where each of them has landed. And Five is trying to find them and put them all together. He finds this guy that keeps watching him. And yeah, they all appear in the same alleyway. Yes, every single one of them appears in the same alleyway in different times. And he is, he, it's like right near where he lives. Uh-huh. And he's kind of a conspiracy theorist anyway. Right. And he's been monitoring these arrivals. Yes. He ends up interacting with Five. Actually, Five sees him and he's like, okay, I'm going to find out what this guy's about and what he knows and goes to see him. This conspiracy theorist, he thinks they might be Russian spies. He thinks they might be aliens. Mm-hmm. He's unclear as to what they are, but he just knows that they've been just popping into existence in the alleyway near his home. Well, to be clear, they don't know what they are because these are people who were born from women who weren't pregnant when they got up that morning and then suddenly popped out a baby at some point during the day. Yep. So that's weird. And they all have weird abilities. Yeah. And also in this time period, Daddy Hargraves is still alive, of course. Mm Mm-hmm. So Vive is thinking that he needs to get to him and find out what's going on. He thinks Daddy Hardgraves is part of the assassination of JFK plot. Yeah. And, of course, there's the commission that's uh, now demoted the handler. Right. uh, Into basically the same position that Five had, and she is not happy and starts plotting her revenge. Yeah, she starts developing this hostile takeover of the commission. And then we kind of check in on all of our other peeps. So Diego's in a mental institution. Yeah, let's talk about Diego. Diego, he's the guy who's good with knives. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, he's obsessed with fixing the JFK assassination. 
And so he's coming off as a bit of a loon mm-hmm. for, you know, just obsessing on this one thing and attempting to stop it. So, yeah, he gets institutionalized. And he's waiting to either escape or for someone to find him. He right. figures that Five is going to come after him and or somebody, one of his siblings yeah. is going to find him. Probably, most likely, Five. There's this woman in there with him that uh, is immediately suspicious to me. Oh, so you're going to help him break out. Well, isn't that convenient? Well, the accent is kind of throwing you off, too, because it's like, what the heck's she doing in Texas? Mm -hmm. Five does eventually find out where Diego is and goes to see him. And Diego, of course, talks about how, yeah, you got to get me out of here. We got to save JFK. And Five is like, ah, no. And so yeah. he basically tells the guards that, I don't even remember what he told the guards. Mm-hmm. So, oh, oh, he's got a shank in his sock or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, gets him, instead of being on target for being released, he's, uh, yeah, they're going to confine him real yeah. hard. Yeah, like to a point where they might even tranquilize him or whatever. Sedate yeah. him. That's the word I was looking for. Because Diego is stubborn. He's stubborn, obsessive, and doesn't seem to realize that as much as you want to save JFK, that that's going to irrevocably change the future. Mm-hmm. And you will be going back to a different future. And we had a really good Red Dwarf episode about this, mm-hmm. is where they saved JFK and things got really bad because there's a whole scandal of his involvement with various, you know, sleeping around and how that really undermined the presidency and all kinds of things fell apart. And so the future was ruined so that they had to find JFK, get him back in time so he would be able to kill himself. And so he was the man on the grassy knoll. I remember that well. Yeah, a really fascinating episode of Red Dwarf really played around with the whole timey-wimey thing in a really fascinating way. And really wasn't all of this in search of uh, curry? He probably, yeah. Because he just wanted a really Lister great... needed curry. Curry and... He's got one taste bud left yeah. and it needs curry. Yeah. And they end up in Dallas, Texas around the assassination of JFK and unintentionally interrupt and prevent his death. That was a very interesting episode. Yeah, so that's what Diego's been up to. Yep. Allison got married. Allison got married. Again. Allison's a black woman. Mm-hmm. And so when she goes back to the Dallas, Texas of the 60s, it's right around the civil rights movement. They're anticipating the rival of JFK. They want to get on the news so they can get his attention. And so, yeah, they're doing sit-ins. And protests. Protests, you know, going into a restaurant or diner where blacks aren't allowed and sitting, which was an actual thing. Mm-hmm. There's photos of this happening. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, she's working in this uh, salon with a bunch of activists, you know, these civil rights activists and planning marches and that sort of thing. So, yeah, fascinating. And she hasn't been using her abilities because she was at first still recovering. She couldn't even speak from having her throat nearly sliced. And she was cut pretty badly enough to lose her voice for a little while. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, she she gets married to this this activist and lives a life. Even though she's kind of had a relationship with Luther before and kind of went to the wayside as she's found this new life in the 60s she was married but is now divorced and has a daughter in the future right because she was like a pop star or something yeah an actor yeah actor yeah i feel like 
Allison's thing is just she's got to be with someone. Yeah, and you could see how they were raised, how poorly they were raised by Hargraves, that she'd have some kind of issue where she needs somebody. Yeah. She needs to be in a relationship. So that's what's happening with her. Right. Um, Vanya, uh, shortly after she arrives, she gets hit by a car. And gets amnesia, which is a really tired trope and could really spoil things. But I think they treated it pretty well. It's just that's been done to death, the old amnesia routine. In people with abilities, Uh you don't know what kind of effect that can have. And I think that there was a part of Vanya that didn't want to remember. So you think she just suppressed it rather than the injury actually causing memory loss? Yes, she subconsciously suppressed it. Right. And that's when she encountered parts of her family she started to remember. And even then, she she didn't want to remember. I mean, she knew certain things about herself. She knew she was a lesbian. And she didn't know her name. Well, the lesbian thing was new because she was interested in men the first series. At least she thought she was. Yeah. Unless she's bisexual. Okay, she could be bisexual. Yeah. The woman that hit her with the car, or was the man driving, I forget. Probably the husband was driving. Yeah, and that they bring her into their farmhouse to help her recover, and then she becomes basically a nanny to their son that seems to have autism. I would definitely put that at autism. Yeah. And she's really good with him. Yes, she, I think from coming from the future, she's more aware of what that is. Yeah. And how to treat but but that's the thing she doesn't know she's from the future yeah she doesn't remember she doesn't want to remember yeah she starts developing feelings for the mother Mm -hmm. and they start a relationship so it's nice to see her get to play you know a lesbian you know yeah and actually be representative of that it's also nice to just see her being normal as far as being a normal human being yeah and not thinking about her powers and not burdened with the knowledge that she destroyed the world Mm -hmm. and all of the other things that she's done. I can totally understand why she was angry and why she lost control. I totally get that. Well, it's the problem of suppressing the thing before it becomes a problem. Mm -hmm. And by doing so, you make it a problem. Yep. Rather than teaching her how to control her abilities, you just give up and she's too powerful, so you suppress it. Well, what happens when that suppression fails? Is it snaps like a rubber band and she loses control, and that's how you get the whole apocalypse thing where they had to go back in time to to prevent it. Yeah, and that's on Daddy Hargreaves. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, her power does start to manifest as shit hits the fan and things start to come to her. Yeah. Like the boy runs off and ends up in a lake, I guess, and drowns and she has to have him recover, you know, use her abilities to help him recover. And then the husband's kind of abusive. I don't know if he's physically abusive, but I know he's emotionally abusive. Yes, very much so. And so they're going to leave him and take the son with them. And he stops them and there's a whole interlude with the the police in which Vanya uses her power and then gets hit in the back of the head. And she's assumed to be a Russian agent, and she knows Russian. Yeah. (laughs) And her name is Russian, you know, Vanya. So, yeah, that becomes a thing. And then you have her possibly, you know, in this timeline, possibly triggering events that would lead to World War III, basically. 
because mm-hmm. she's assumed to be a Russian agent. She's in this building, this federal building. Her she powers go out of control. Building, yeah. yeah, she she explodes, and that becomes a big thing. Yeah, so it's assumed to be a Russian attack, and of course, what's the thing that you do? You launch your missiles. Yep. Thereby ending the world, because that's the thing. There are no winners in nuclear war. Well, that's what made the Bay of Pigs so crazy, mm-hmm. is that we were really on the brink of, of nuclear conflict. Yeah, and there's no going back from that. No. Usually once the missiles get launched, that's that's it. Yeah, the, the Earth is done. Yeah, it's mutually assured destruction. Mm-hmm. We've got Luther basically doing cage matches. <laughs> well, yeah, doing cage matches. And working for, God, I forget his name. Jack Ruby? Is that his name? Oh, yeah, let's say it's. He's a gangster that. Right, now I have to look it up. But he's tied in with the whole assassination plot as well. But he's working at basically a, a club, a gentleman's club. American nightclub owner fatally shot Lee Harvey Oswald on November 24th, 1963. So, yeah, he's involved in that whole thing and so luther's protecting him because he knows that he has a role in history and is the man that shot lee harvey oswald plus he's good at what he does it you know he's big and strong yeah he's basically a bouncer runs security and then does cage fights on the side that jack ruby's also involved in and making a lot of money yeah so and that affords him a place to stay so then we have klaus and ben klaus is really fun his story goes several ways. Is one part of it is he encounters what is named Dave mm-hmm. that he fell in love with in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. The last time he got lost in time and tries to persuade him not to join the war effort, and in so doing, actually gets him involved in the war effort. I think even earlier than intended. So he, you know, tried to appeal to him and. That didn't happen, and then becomes a cult leader in a very hippie kind of way. Yeah, but he actually got clean. That's the crazy thing. He got clean. He wasn't drinking. He wasn't doing drugs. He wasn't smoking. He was actually on a good path in that regard, despite, you know, being the leader of a cult. But it wasn't a bad cult, you know, it was it was very hippie, very peace, love, and happiness, and sex, and stuff. Yeah, just... Kind of that thing of that era is people discovering Hinduism and mind-altering drugs and all this sort of thing that he kind of led people into this sort of society. You know, he got involved with this rich lady and used her mansion to hold this cult. And yeah, interesting storyline. Of course, Ben's with him this whole time. Ben falls in love with one of the cult members are infatuated with her yeah it's not love it's definitely just infatuation he's just attracted to her but uh, yeah um, ben learns how to possess people so that's fun to see well he learns how to possess klaus yeah klaus he can't really possess anyone else because there's stuff going on there that uh, still hasn't been clarified yeah first of all how ben died which has not been clarified in the comics either yeah died around what is he died during a mission years kind of sort of yeah he was a he was a kid they were all kids he died during a mission we know that yeah and hargreaves blamed the kids and that's why they stopped going on missions for a while but we still don't know the details of that and we we don't know for sure if klaus kept ben around because of guilt 
or he just didn't want to let go, or that isn't clear either, either. Either, either. Ben doesn't make it clear until later why he stuck around, but he's hanging around Klaus because Klaus can actually talk to dead people, so that makes sense. Klaus thinks that he kept Ben from going into the light. But it's more like he just stayed (laughs) because he wanted to. I actually really enjoyed when Ben possesses Klaus because the actor who plays Klaus was nailing it as Ben. Because Klaus can be very charming and deceptive and kind of like Loki in a lot of ways. Yeah, like if Loki were always drunk, yes. Yeah, while Ben is guileless and awkward. Yeah, he never got the chance to partake of the joys of adulthood. Yeah, and so you definitely see that come out in a performance, so Mm -hmm. very well done there. So yeah, there's a lot of uh, stuff going on. We find out this uh, woman that was in the mental institution with Diego is actually a plant. Yeah, she works for the commission, or actually works for the handler. Well, she does work for the commission. Well, through her. I think she's like... Well, yeah, she's there because we see her at the commission. But yes. Yeah, I think she's a specific hire under the handler. No, she's do- she's kind of doing double duty because yeah. the handler has her own thing going on. Right. Yeah, she's... We Oh, we didn't even talk about the Swedes. Oh, the Swedes. Okay, the three Swedes. The three Swede- Swedes are sent by the commission to take care of this whole temporal screw-up. In other words, to kill all of the Hargreaves yeah, kids. Yeah, to kill the the umbrella academy the seven and boy fair-haired light-eyed creepy don't say really anything they love cats yeah they have weird rituals between them like the old trick of throwing knives at each other's feet Mm -hmm. they don't talk a lot to each other in fact you hardly hear them say anything (laughs) and when they do they do say it in swedish which i appreciate (laughs) it's like yeah if they're gonna be swedish have them talk in that language. The handler doing her own thing, which she ropes in five because she promises to get him out of this situation, save his family by helping her take over the commission, which includes going in and slaughtering the present commission leaders, which he does with mm-hmm. what an axe. <laughs> yep. Chop up a lot of them. That's a brutal scene. It is. And and the head of it is the guy with the goldfish bowl for a head. Yeah. With a goldfish that can talk. I heard a complaint, and I don't particularly see it, but maybe I'm in the wrong segment of society to notice, but the handler uses, like, Yiddish word at one point, and so are they suggesting that the commission is, like, are they Jews that are running time itself, or what's going on there, or is it just a word she used? I think that they're overthinking it. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. I thought... That just one Yiddish phrase used once does not indicate that the whole commission is is Jews running time itself. Right. And as far as I know, Gerard Way is not a racist. Yeah, not an anti-Semite. No. So I don't think we have to worry about that. Yeah. Because the commission in itself is kind of locked in a certain time and place. You know, it kind of has this Brazil-like kind of 50s, 60s kind of vibe to it that their technology is kind of retroactive in a way like how they use suitcases for their time travel mm-hmm. right, more like attache cases really. it's a briefcase they yeah, call them briefcase. the briefcase and that's what the handler had promised five because five wasn't sure 
he could get everybody home right to the right time and the only way to guarantee that was to get a briefcase yes the handler does trick the swedes into killing one of them or killing one of the swedes as in killing yeah the, killing know, one of the leading swedes. them into a trap and they blow up in yeah. this forest so that's one brother down mm-hmm. the remaining swedes at one point late in the season show up at Allison's house and are trying to kill her husband. And she finally rumors one of them to kill his brother. Yep. So then there's one Swede left. Mm-hmm. And we see him until the very end. They decide that it's just done. Yeah. It's like, okay, I realize this is the person that's tricked me the whole time. Mm-hmm. So everything's done here. It's because of him that they're able to get rid of the handler. Yeah. But she being what she is, I'm not sure that that's the last we'll see of her. Yeah, because you are dealing, dealing with time, which is always odd. Yeah, we got to see a lot more of the commission this go-around. Yeah, I liked some of the lower deck, I guess, to yeah. borrow a phrase, the you know lower position kind of peon type characters that run like the video system that looks at you know, historical anomalies and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Like the little guy with no neck. Because, yeah, Diego at one point is hired onto the commission to run security there. And of course, that doesn't last long. Oh, no, that was never going to last long. He no. was going to do his own thing from the start. Yeah, when they go into training and sit him down to watch this opening film thing. And he sees the instructor has fallen asleep and he's like, yep, I'm out of here. Yeah. Anything else to talk about? I guess there's Daddy Hargraves and what ends up with him, which is pretty wild. Yeah, spoilers, guys. Daddy Hargraves is an alien. Yeah, he's a reptile. He's a reptilian. Yep. <laughs> this <laughs> Pulls off his face very V-style and he's got a lizard head. Mm-hmm. And I guess he's been planning an alien invasion this whole time? Mm-hmm. Something like that. I don't yeah, know. It's, it's hard to tell what his plans are. Yeah, I don't know what his plans are. But yeah, he is just not a good man at mm. all. No. And it gets more and more revealed that he's doing really bad things. It wasn't that he was doing really bad things. It was that the group that he was working with was doing the bad things. Yeah. And in fact, he had said, no, we are not assassinating people. And they did anyway. And they did anyway. And he uh, he ended them. Oh, and we have five encountering himself at one point. Oh, yeah. And all of the uh, side effects that are known to happen. Yeah. Paranoia, sweating, itching, itching farting, uh, murderous, mm-hmm. killing spree. And all these signs that you're having some kind of time travel paradox issue. And this kid playing five continues to impress me, except someone please teach him the proper way to say nuclear. It's nuclear, not nuclear. It is never going to be nuclear, no matter how much you want it to yep. be. It's nuclear. I don't know why people can't read. But it's fun to tie it into when five broke... F- away from the commission which yep. was around the time of the kennedy assassination so it just kind of ties that loop up nicely the portal was opening and he made these calculations and he was off and that's why he ended up back in his teenage body mm-hmm. in the future yep and then it happened again there's a lot of stuff that happens in between not all of which we can cover our little friend who saw all of them appear does end up getting murdered by the swedes by the in swedes. a very horrible way yep and they Which leave a eye for an eye, I think, was their yeah. message eye that was eye. written in Swedish and they could make sense out of it. Yeah. Like, well, we would have got it eventually and 
Vibe is just shaking his head like, no, you wouldn't have. No, you would never have gotten it. Um, final big-ass battle at the farm was fun. Yeah. When you had all these commission agents show up to take out the, the Umbrella Academy. Mm-hmm. Getting tractors, like a tractor thrown at Diego. He gets pinned down. And, and we find out that our new lady that I have no idea her name of, the one with the British accent. Where the hell she is from the one that got involved with Diego. Let me look it up because yeah. I can't remember her name. I can't either, remember her name at all. it's going to make me very unhappy. Yeah, because we're talking specifically about her now. Lila. Yeah, Lila. That we find out she's got powers too. And what she can do is mimic other powers. Mm-hmm. And so if Luther's super strong, she can be super strong. If five can teleport... She can teleport. But she can only use one at a time. Yeah. And so it's uh, quite a battle with her as she's going one-on-one with a lot of them. Yep. Even doing the big Vanya kind of pulse power. Mm-hmm. Blowing everybody back. Yeah, but then she finds out what her mother really is. Mm-hmm. Which is a murderer. She murdered... Uh, She had her parents murdered. Yeah, Lila's parents murdered. So that she could have that kid. Yeah. She knew exactly what Lila could do. And then raised her to be her little agent of death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The ending we got was not the ending that we expected. Basically, everyone died. And Five's like, nope. Yep. Nope. I'm going to back this up a few minutes. And he actually manages to do that. Yeah, which is something Hargraves was teaching them, is you don't need to go back like centuries or decades or anything. You can go back minutes. Mm-hmm seconds seconds even and you'll be more pinpoint accurate the less time you go back and it's hargreaves hargreaves what am i saying hargreaves. you're saying hargreaves i'm it's sorry hargreaves. Har- is it hargreaves it is okay i always heard it as hargreaves for some no, reason it's hargreaves oh. I've, I've seen it spelled out and i've read the comics okay hargreaves yeah. is it bad that i prefer hargreaves nope <laughs> hargreaves is just like mm, no use grave it means death Yes, well, he's an alien. He doesn't know. Okay. Graves is, what, something you put on your legs that's armor? Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but Lila stops trying to kill them all. The handler gets it. They have a suitcase or a briefcase or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, well, they, you know, there's, there was a resistance inside the commission that mm-hmm. were protesting the handler taking oh, yeah. over. And doing what they could to undermine her. And uh, that's our little short guy with no neck. Yep. And he shows up. He's acting leader for the moment. They're like, well, we just need one thing. He's like, what? He's like, a briefcase. And he motions to the field of dead bodies. (laughs) Take your pick. Take your pick. Mm -hmm. So they end up being able to go back to their future, they think. Yeah, they arrive back at uh, the Umbrella Academy mansion. And daddy's there. Why is daddy there? Why is there a big painting of Ben on the wall? Mm -hmm. And... Daddy Hargreaves knows who they are, but not that they're his children. hes They're not his children. Yeah, they're not the Umbrella Academy anymore. No, now there's the Sparrow Academy, and Ben is the de facto leader. And then we get to see some Dark Universe versions of all the Umbrella Academy come out. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be interesting. And I like this because it is very time travel-y. Because when they left their time... That didn't take them out of the time loop entirely. Mm-hmm. So when they return, they'd be there twice because those folks that would have got pregnant would have got pregnant again, mm-hmm. would have had the kids again. 
This is the issue with Back to the Future, is that when Marty McFly goes back to the future, he should already be there because their parents would have had sex and had him. Mm -hmm. So when he comes back in the DeLorean, there would have been two Marty McFlys because he's not going to come back and have his consciousness enter the body of the now existing Marty McFly. So he could have died at any time in the past. He didn't have to go back to the future ever because once he went back and fixed everything, he's done. You don't have to go back. He could have missed the whole clock tower and everything, and everything would have been fine. Yeah, but then he's there messing up time for the future. Yeah, which is why he'd probably like walk into an ocean or something. <laughs> That's dark. Or just live somewhere as a hermit the rest of his days. Even so, that he's... could still change the future. Because once he went back, he couldn't go back to the future again because he'd already exist. Yes, but he wouldn't exist from that point where he went back. No, well... He was taken out of the timeline at that point. Yeah, but once he fixed everything, there would have been no reason to go back. Yeah, but there wasn't anything. <laughs> there, here's the thing, though. He he was the one who messed up the past. Right. So he had to fix the past so he could go back to his future. He has physically been removed from his timeline, messed up his timeline, fixed his timeline, and returned back to his timeline. But the timeline but he returned to timeline. isn't his timeline until he be existing there as well not necessarily mm, we look differently at this i also look at it like as soon as he met his parents he screwed everything up anyway because what's the chances of that one sperm meeting that egg that would produce him it could be another sperm and he's got different genetic material and he's no longer marty mcfly in the future yes but there's also this theory of you know with multiple universes that there aren't necessarily always these massive differences. Yeah. That sometimes there's only a few differences. That sometimes they're extremely similar. But just in certain situations, this thing took a left turn. Yep. And this thing took a right turn. So it's totally plausible <laughs> that he would still be the same Marty McFly. And that's what's interesting about this into season two of the Umbrella Academy is they go that direction where, yeah, they're already there because they would be. <laughs> yeah, but they're not in their timeline anymore. They're not in their timeline anymore. but Because they've created a new timeline yeah. just by their presence in the 60s. Yep, exactly. And their interference with their own father. Yep. I'm not even going to go into the events of Hotel Oblivion because that's yet to come. Oh, yeah. I don't know any of that stuff yet because yeah. I haven't read the comics. Well, there's going to be a fourth series. Gerard Way's writing a fourth uh, comic oh, series continuing on with Sparrow Academy. Excellent. So... Great music of mm -hmm. the era, so lots of 60s stuff. Not always 60s stuff. There's some covers that were a little weird mm -hmm. that I didn't particularly approve of. I prefer the original, but maybe yeah. they couldn't get the rights. They had to go through some other artist to get the song they wanted. But even, that sometimes happens. Even so, one of and I can't remember what song it was, and I'm just like, I hate this. Wasn't it a version of Wicked Game or something Thank like you. that? Thank you. It was a version of Wicked Game, and I hated it. Yeah, it's like... Worst cover ever. Chris Isaac's one's fine. I prefer the him one. Same. I like yeah. the chuggy guitar. <laughs> This particular version of Wicked Game was bad. It was so, 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 so There's bad. no soul in the vocals. It was like a robot could have sung it. Mm -hmm. 
It was just that not good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the music for the most part was good, even with the covers. Yeah. Um, but not all the covers. Yeah. But some fun '60s era stuff. Motown. And some not '60s era stuff. Yeah. There's some. I think there's a version of Bad Guy too that was weird. Yeah, I hated that one. Yeah. I am like, why would you take this song and make it bad? Wasn't that guy singing it or something? I can't. No, even it was now. still a okay. woman. It's still a woman. But it was just wrong. Yeah, it just didn't work. Hated it. Yeah. I so, love the performances. All of these uh, kids are great actors. You know, I can completely forget that Tom Hopper is British. Right. Because he's really good at doing an American accent. He's really adorable. <laughs> he's just <laughs> adorable as this big, sensitive oaf. Yeah, he's uh, an oaf is a good way of putting it. A brute. Not mm-hmm. even a brute, because he's, he's kind-hearted. He's just... Yes. Yeah, but him will, eating a lot. He'll crash heads if necessary. Oh, yeah. We got to see Mom before she was had an Android copy made of her. Yeah. Interesting that. And before they were actually married. Particularly affect Diego because he had a thing for... He has mama issues. Mama issues, yeah. I definitely had a thing with her. Got to I, see the... Whatever the monkey's name is or ape's name. Ape? Ape? Ape. Uh, yeah, he's an ape. Oh, what is his name? Um, golly. I have to look I it up. I want to say Bongo, but I know that's wrong. It's absolutely not correct. Not even a little bit correct. Give me a second, I'll find it. No, it was Pogo. Pogo. Well, that wasn't far off. Yeah. I like that Vanya came to terms with herself. Yeah, there is a path of self-discovery mm-hmm. for her, definitely. She she has to go into her own head. And the funny thing is, is that it's Klaus that gets her there. Yeah. I'm happy for her. Yes, yes, I'm indeed. I'm happy for her because she... Figured herself out. Mm-hmm. She finally understood that the way that she was treated, it was not her fault. And that it was also not her fault that she couldn't control her abilities. Right. Because she was never given the chance to. Yeah. But, you know, Klaus was very good at encouraging her and telling her, no, you can do this. You, mm-hmm. You're in charge of yourself. But she had to face the things that she didn't want to face. Yeah. And she did that in her brain. And then she came out of it. A much stronger person. Oh, yeah. And her abilities, I think, are stronger because she can hone them in ways that she couldn't before. Right. So I, I like the Vanya Redemption story. Yeah, it was, yeah, shaky ground at first with doing the whole amnesia thing. But yeah, it really develops. And where she is at the beginning of season two and where she is at the end, she is a transformed person. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Yes, you could say that of all of them. Yep. That there's lessons learned in season two that they might have not have learned until late season one. Or mm. <laughs> they go, oh, yeah, we've been shitty to Vanya this whole time. And we're partly responsible for this. And she gets to the point where she's just like, yeah, yeah, okay. I get it. You know, yeah. can we go to work now? Yep. She's just kind of like, I can't, I can't deal with this. So let's just move on. Yeah, because I think early on, all of them have very kind of selfish desires their heart might be in the right place but it's not for the family it's for each individual person like mm-hmm. you know to connect with dave to work with the civil rights movement to protect jack ruby to protect jfk you know all of them have this specific reason why they want to do something and then at the end they have to do things for each other to get back to their proper timeline yeah and if they stay there they'll create another apocalypse and yeah. so that's five's thing is to get them back to the future so that they don't destroy the world in the mm-hmm. past 
Yep. So, yeah. I really enjoyed it. And we got deeper into these characters, which I appreciated. I do miss Allison's natural hair, though. Yeah. That was uh, kind of a bummer. Yeah, that was the era, though. Oh, I know. I think it was a great season, and I look forward to season three. I think that's why I like the 70s. There's a lot of natural hairstyles. Mm-hmm. That's when just people just finally... Wonderful started. afros and that sort of thing. Yeah, being what they were. Yeah. Just having just, the hair they had. Yeah, be natural. Yeah. So, thumbs up for season two. Yeah, I enjoyed it. You know, There's some shaky bits, and there's some times like you're just looking at Diego going, what are you doing? But you understand. I yeah, mean, like, get it. There, there are reasons for everyone's behavior. Yeah, of what they obsess over or what they hide from. Yeah, and we all have those failings. Yeah. Every one of us. Yeah. So we have to remember that though these are powered people, they're still people. Yeah, and mm-hmm. people who are raised very, very poorly. Mm-hmm. So their development is not the most advanced. All right, you think that's enough to talk about for I, I do. I think we've right. covered it. All right, what do you think? Shout-outs then? Shout-outs. Hey, hey! I actually have a shout-out this time that I didn't have to wreck my brain. I'm so over. proud of you. It's Trevor Aon. He is an independent wrestler, gothic, very broad taste in gothic music, gothic, industrial, post-punk, all that stuff. So been having good chats on him on Twitter regarding the uh, whole gamut of, of dark music and also enjoying clips he's had shared of him wrestling, mm-hmm. including doing a table match where he suplexed a guy into a table. Pulled him into the middle of the ring, grabbed one half of the table, and just started spearing him with it. Oh, Jesus. And then, like, the security at the place started to surround the ring, trying to get him to stop. And he also has one of these things he considers one of his best moves, which is just a walk. Mm. It's not even, like, doing any wrestling maneuver in particular. It's just this kind of very kind of proud, hands together, chin up, kind of dark lord kind of walk. Mm. Which is very intimidating, so nice. Yeah, he's a yeah, a black goth, which is something I'm trying to embrace and include in my circle. Indeed. So there's also, you know, gothic stepmom that does cosplay and several other black goths I've been uh, trying to follow on Twitter and yeah. And also buy their music. So mm-hmm. very cool guy and a good follow. It's a fun follow. Very nice. Trevor Aeon. Yeah. All right, your shout-out, dear? My shout-out is to my friend and my co-host, Dr. Nick Collinson. Dr. Nick. Because his thesis was, uh, for his doctorate, was accepted with minor amendments. Which, basically, the amendments are just a formality. He just needs to correct a few things grammatically and stuff like that. nice. And then he will, uh, well, he, he is, for all intents and purposes, now a doctor. A doctor. Dr. Nicholas Paul Collinson. Is a doctor of zoology or something like that? Or? Uh, yeah, his his thing is uh, etymology. Etymology, right. He likes the bugs. Yep, so he's a doctorate but, uh, in bug science. But yeah, for the most part, it's zoology. Because his, uh, his Twitter handle is uh, punk zoologist. Yep, uh, invertebrate zoology in particular. So, yep. Yeah. Studying all insects and worms and that sort of thing. And this is something that happened a lot more quickly than he expected because thesis reviews can take up to six months or more. And he had this back within a couple of months from (laughs) submitting it. Makes you wonder if it's because of the whole COVID situation, people are locked at home anyways. Like, I might as well read this. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Could be. Could be. So well done to you, Dr. Nick. And now we can always do, hello, Dr. Dr. Nick. Nick. Yes, start doing that. (laughs) Hello, Dr. Nick. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Hey, Dr. Nick. Yep. (laughs) He's Dr. Nick. Dr. Nick. And I'm very proud of him. Well done. Yeah, well done. Yeah, I know Nick from Twitter and stuff. So, yeah. He's he's awesome, dude. Yeah. I enjoy him. One of your co-hosts. Yep. Yep. Okay, I guess that's the end of this episode. We'll be back with the Spooktober episodes. So that's exciting. We'll have to decide on one of those shows that we'll do. It might be a movie commentary. Who knows? It tends to be something we do around Halloween time is to do a commentary for a horror film is just deciding which one or even if that's what we want to do we will decide that yeah we'll discuss that and have the other episodes pretty much locked down i just need to do them Mm -hmm. you'll be on there there for the high priestess tarot episode yep so take care everyone i know it's a rough year it's the worst year uh, i've ever lived in just got to remember this too shall pass and also that dictatorships rarely end well for the dictator Mm-hmm. Historically speaking, I I don't know of any dictatorships that ended well. Yeah, I think Pol Pot ended up in house arrest or something like oh, that. Oh yeah, he ended up in house arrest. Yeah, and uh, he died in house arrest. Yeah, so he had a pretty pleasant one considering. Yes, but he was still in yeah. house arrest. Yep, that's all I really have to say. I guess. All right, <laughs> stay safe and wear your masks. Yes, please. Bye. Bye. You have been listening to the Dark Corner Podcast on darkcornerpodcast.com. I am at Dark Corner Cast on Twitter. Brandy is Brandy112, Brandy with an I. We have both a Facebook page and group to join, both titled The Dark Corner Podcast. Contact us via darkcornerpodcast.com or email me at thedarkcornerpod at gmail.com. The dark track of the episode was offered for free or has been submitted by the artist or artist's representative. Other music is used for illustrative purposes and no infringement of copyright is intended. The opening song is Our Promise, the 2020 version by Studio X versus Simon Carter. The closing track is Goodbye by Nina Me. Want more of Brandy? You can see her on The Unready Room with Dan Gunther talking about the latest episode of Star Trek over YouTube on Kurtz Rats Productions, that is Star Trek Backwards, each Friday night at 7 o'clock Mountain Time. You can also see her on the Outpost 13 Twitch channel each Saturday at 11 a.m. Pacific, recording the general Star Trek discussion show, Infinite Trek, with her co-host Aaron Harvey. Infinite Trek is later released as an audio podcast. You can also hear her talk more Trek on the Vedic Assembly, a Deep Space Nine podcast, as well as Boldly Go, a Strange New Worlds podcast. You can hear Brandy and me with our friend Chris on the What the Future Holds, a Star Trek Discovery podcast on Hollow Sweet Media. Brandy also hosts her own solo podcast, Headcanon right here on the darkcornerpodcast.com network. Our gratitude goes to Mr. Tom Elliott of the Twilight Zone podcast for kindly hosting our site. And thank you for listening and take care out there. The Department of Evil. The Dark Corner.